Hello, and welcome to Writer's Roundtable. I'm your host, Karen Vaughn. I just realized this week it's my ninth anniversary doing this show. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. Holy cow. Um, the January winds are blowing, but here we are, toasty warm here at the round table. And today I have with me my able-bodied and techie co-host, Christina Jaguer, and one of my favorite people, Delaney Oaks. Today we are talking all about all things books and Delaney's latest venture in the Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf series, if I could only talk. Um, the Colleen <laughs> is one. See, I said it right, Delaney. Um, I'm proud of you. Listen, and feel free to join us in the chat room. So before I introduce Delaney, I will get Christina to tell us a little bit more about herself. Okay. um, Thanks for that introduction. Um, Like everybody else here, I'm an author. Um, My first book was a YA novel called Hag. Um, I have a new one called Fidelta. It's a series of books, um, romance, suspense. And right now I'm on book two. I think I'm going to go to four books in the series. I have no idea what the characters are doing anymore. So I'll let you know. (laughs) It just got away from me. I don't know how that happened. But um, okay, yes. um, I blog Fidelta on the second of every month. I haven't been doing that lately, but there's plenty of material up there if you want to look and check it out. Um, let's see. I have Fidelta 1 and 2. I'm hopefully going to be starting book 3 in a few months. Um, I also have another book on my blog that's called writingbytheseatofmypants.com. And there I have a book called How to Self-Publish a Book, a Resource Guide for Beginners. I'm also working on another book um, about publishing, but this time it's going to be about social media. It's going to be a workbook, and um, it's going to have more of the nuances of social media and not so much as as the technical aspects of it. It's going to be dealing more with, like, branding and, you know, um, how how to deal with people online and how to protect your privacy and, and whatnot. So hopefully I'll have that book out hopefully, I keep saying hopefully, by summer. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, that book has taken on so many forms. I thought it was just going to be a regular old book. And I realized, I can't do it like that because there's just so much I want to say and so much I want to expose, you know, like what people are doing wrong and what social media companies mm-hmm. are doing. And it's just... It, I had to put it in a, a workbook form because it's more easier to deal with it in that way. But anyways, hopefully that'll be out in the summer. And let's see, I think I got everything in. Very good. I am looking forward to that book and I still have to get that self-publishing book because I'm sure there's something out there I am doing wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you very much for that, Christina. Now, Delaney used to be an AP teacher, and I don't know if she's still doing that. I doubt that you're still a Mary Kay consultant. No, I gave that up a few years ago. And yeah. I, haven't, I haven't been teaching or substitute teaching in a long time. Every time I went, I got sick. 
so I decided that I was done with that because <laughs> grade school children carry everything. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do. Uh, but Delaney was making up stories before she could read, and her first really cohesive work began when her older sister started school. Left to entertain herself, she invented an imaginary friend and would regale her mother with tales from Snowy Green and Rainbow School. Now, that would be a really good kid's book. Um, it probably <laughs> would if I could remember any of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, these stories paved the way for songs and poems in elementary school and short stories in high school. But she's come so far from that. How many books have you written? I just, with the release of the Kali, um, it's 16. 16? Okay, you've got mm-hmm. me by a few books. Um, yeah, so that's quite an accomplishment for publishing. Um and you also um, pu- published some on your blog, too, that have not gone on to great things like Amazon. Not yes. that it's a great thing, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. Bizarre. Yeah. But if you could tell us more about yourself, that would be great. Um, what you're doing now for... For fun and entertainment. Oh, well, I am really bad about binge-watching Hulu and Netflix. Sometimes it is for research purposes, or at least that's what I I tell myself when I (laughs) am going into my eighth or ninth hour of it. Um, we, We have a very full house right now. My son and his family are living with us. So I get to see my baby girl every day. Doesn't feel like the day started right if I don't get to see her. Um, she's she's cranky today, so if you hear any hollering, that's because she yesterday and today she's just in a mood. So <laughs> we're not sure what's going on. Um, but I am an author. I write mostly romantic suspense. I also write contemporary romance, retro romance, futuristic romance, fantasy romance. Are we noticing a romance trend here? Um, (laughs) I just released um, the the fourth book in my sci-fi futuristic fantasy or romance series called The Kali, and that's available on all of the uh, online retailers in ebook form. And um, last fall, I brought out the fourth book in my Mary's Houston series. She's the uh, deputy federal marshal and uh, from Missouri, from Kansas City, Missouri. And I, so I got book 403 is out. And um, I think that's about it at the moment. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, so everybody most everybody tries to set resolutions for the new year. Mine mm-hmm. usually end up in a heap on the floor. How about yours? <laughs> um, my New Year's resolutions, I, I'm keeping it simple. Like, 
don't be an asshole and <laughs> don't cuss as much. That's never going to happen. But I, I keep them very simple to manageable goals because I know for a fact that I can't keep regular resolutions. So um, as far as writing resolutions, though, I am going to go back to one that I did uh, a number of years ago. I promised myself I'd finish a book a month because I have mm-hmm. – almost right around 60 that need to be finished. Some are within a few pages. Some are within massive numbers of pages. But I want to try doing that um, so that I can get some of that backlog cleared out. Some of them are never going to be finished, and what I may do is just make myself delete them because I look at them and go, I know that's not ever going to go anywhere. So that's, that's... but that's a really hard thing to do to part with the, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I have a hard time with my unfinished ones too. Is that ever going to see the light of day? I doubt it. It hasn't been finished in five years. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> Collecting dust. Um, <laughs> and I just found a notebook of something I misplaced last fall that I thought I was never going to see again. So I have another, yet another book that I have, I'm hoping to finish this year. That's my goal, is to finish books that I have yet. Like mm-hmm. I've got five. I, I don't have as many as unfinished as you do. Uh, I've got five that are desperately calling at me to finish. Uh-huh. And I just found the notebook for Road Rage today. Oh, great. Yes. Oh, that's great, because I know you thought that was gone forever. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking. I was crying over that one because I worked so hard on it. I was even going to finish it for now, but but I just found the notebook, and I'm, like, sitting here doing the happy dance, and then I'm thinking, oh, that's another project. (laughs) 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 Okay. Why couldn't stay lost five more minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could have forgotten you by then, but no, I, I was really happy. Um, but yeah, I I can be trying to make reason, set reasonable goals, not try to write the great American or Canadian novel in my case, because um, mm-hmm. that's never going to be done. You're never going to see that. You might see another Laura and Jerry this year if I can finish Dead of Winter. Um and you'll see my finished nano from last year, um, An Eye for Murder, which is a Sergeant Rogan mini mystery, which is a new character I came up with. Awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, with that said, Christina, do you have any goals for this year? Well, like I said before, I want to finish that social media book, and I want to get back on the whole Fidelta roller coaster ride. <laughs> you might tame that story. <laughs> Maybe I can tame the story a little bit, but um, I'm not so sure. But I hope to get something finished this year. I know I can get the workbook done, but I'm not so sure about Fidelta. It's kind of getting out of control right now. <laughs> but it's always out of control, honey. It is. Forever, that is Cassie. She is always out of control. What what you need to do is just embrace the chaos and just run with it, because that's the only way you're going to get it done. Yeah. 
I agree. Yeah. I feel like one of those circus, you know, um, circus tamers, you know, with the little whip and everything. It's just like, <laughs> get back in the pages. <laughs> well, you know what I ended up doing? I had one that I wrote a number of years ago, and it had just gone off the rails at some point, and I couldn't, I couldn't pull it back in. You know, they talk about painting yourself into a corner. I was painted into a corner with bright blood red paint all over the floor, and I was wow. looking at the circle around my feet, just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm like, there has to be a solution. I can't find a solution. So I sat down by myself, so nobody would think I was crazy. I talked aloud to my characters. I think I was driving from point A to point B to go shopping or something. And I had this long chat with my characters. And the upshot of it was that y'all got me into this mess. You have to get me out of this mess because I can't do this by myself. And then as I was coming home, I started getting all these rapid fire ideas hitting me like, oh shit. And I had nothing to sit down and nothing in my purse to write on. So I had to get the, um, the receipt out of the, out of the Walmart bag. And I was scribbling notes on that. I had to pull over to the side of the road and scribble notes on that because it was, it just, I just got this flood of ideas. So the next time I did that, I made sure I was home so that I wasn't having <laughs> to drive and write. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. Is that the craziest place that you've ever gotten an idea for a book? Um, story? It's it's one of them for sure. Um I think the weirdest one I was I was in college and I was going from the fine arts building a block away to the McDonald's to pick up some dinner. We were doing a, a late work call, so I was going over to get some food. And there was this pothole on the road, and I walked around it, and a car had just gone through it. So it was swirling around, and it looked like uh, stirring creamer into coffee. It was just that, you know, shades of brown swirl. And I got this idea, and it was it was something like the first line was, um, the the swirl in the puddle looked like during his coffee, or maybe coffee looked like the swirls in a puddle. I don't remember, but it was something like that. So I didn't have a, any paper with me, so I grabbed a big old stack of napkins and started writing on the napkins. I did have a pen, so I started writing on the napkins while I was eating my dinner. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Huh? Yeah. I get a lot of my ideas in the shower or when I'm lying in bed at night. So I, I get my notebook and write, write them down. But the mm-hmm. craziest thing that anybody ever told me in a, in, on a radio show was he used to get ideas in the shower, turn and he'd turn off the shower, run out of the shower, buck naked, and put <laughs> the ideas down, run back to the shower, Turn the water back on until another idea hit and rinse, wash, and repeat, you know? Uh, oh, man, no. <laughs> okay. But I've had ideas in the shower, and I've just waited. Okay, just stick with me until I get dried off. 
please. Yeah, I keep <laughs> repeating it to myself. I just keep, like, if it's lines of dialogue or narrative or something, I just keep repeating it as I bathe, and I bathe really fast. But um, I knew somebody, I can't remember who now, going way back, got one of those um, wax pencils like butchers used. I don't know if they still yeah. do. Uh, and like a board that you could write on so it was waterproof and just put that up in the shower and then as they're bathing if they got ideas they'd scribble on the board and then take it after they were clean and dried off take that write the notes out on paper and then put the board back in the bathroom and I thought that was bloody brilliant I thought that, that that's pretty good um yeah yeah what do you do about an idea that just, oh, what was I going to say? Um, I, I'll come back to it. Um, okay. Meanwhile, if you want, you can tell us about the new book, The Kali. Okay. Well, um, I know not everybody's read the series, but basically this is, this is um, – uh, part of the universe, the, the story begins in the year 3032, and it centers around um, Wilhelm van Leipzig and Matilda Duloc. And Will is um, a galactic marine. He's a big, tough guy. Um, he's not a nice guy, especially not at the beginning. I mean, he, he mellows over time, but when the story begins, he's you know, just basically the bastard son of the devil himself. And he, um, at one point when he was a younger man, when he was 26 years old, he went through this genetic mutation process because like all armies of the future, of course, they were trying to make um, the perfect soldier. And so they took this group of people and they put them through this treatment and his aging stopped at 26. So he's 86 years old, and he looks the years younger. And um, he meets Matilda, and they fall in love and get married and discover that there is this, um, this evil race that is threatening a distant part of the galaxy. So they set out to go do that, to, to track it down and stop it. And along the way, they have many, many adventures. All kinds of awful things happen. They finally get to the planet, Shakazan, and they are there with this small group of, she's a um, part of the mining guild, and so they've got a blend of their crew of galactic marines and mining guild people. And they end up at this planet and colonize it, and uh, have more adventures, more terrible things happen, make new friends, make new enemies, blah, blah, blah. Third book, <laughs> The Maker, um, you know, same thing that the saga continues, and they're anticipating the arrival of the Kali Grandmaster. That's this, this hideous, horrendous race, are the Kali, and they're expecting the Kali Grandmaster, Zoethula. And he is currently hurling his minions at them in grand style. So at the end of The Maker, book three, 
they um, encounter this group called the Palinacci, and they're like big sentient tigers, or no, lions. They're big sentient lions. And they attack and do a lot of damage. So at the beginning of the Kali, they're reeling from this attack. Well, back in Shakazan, the second book, there were two characters called Talorvek and Mabatsu, who are yet another sentient animal race um, called the Leonate. And they look like giant ferrets. These are huge, like eight, eight or nine feet tall. And they are reputed as being the most vicious race in the known universe. And they're very nasty. Well, they end up, by a series of bizarre circumstances, they end up with Polinacci. And then when they are defeated, when the Polinacci are defeated, for some reason these two are saved. And they're now on Shakazan with everybody else. And um, you want me to read my, um, my excerpt? Because they're in the excerpt. That's why I brought them up. Okay. okay. That sounds good. Okay. All righty. So they're, they're preparing. Um, they've been training, and their, their ranks are getting larger with various people that, that have come to find them. And they have recently added guns to the compound that they didn't have, great big guns to shoot spaceships or ground attack or whatever. They look like um, domed, like... Uh, um, what he called the dome turrets, and they're all over the place. So um, this particular, it's nighttime, and it's raining really hard, and it, this is a scene with Talorvek and Mabatsu. <clears throat> I don't remember what chapter it's from. <laughs> it's kind of in the middle of the book, or, yeah, something like that. All right, thunder roiled across the sky as Talorvek and Mabatsu walked across the compound after dinner. In the half-light of the setting sun behind the clouds, they moved as quickly as they could, hoping to reach home before getting completely soaked. They were being allowed more freedom, but their movements were watched closely and their motives suspect. Little by little, they were breaching the walls of doubt around them, convincing the residents of Shakazan that they'd changed. They found the warriors of the Tamokwan, to be more receptive as they'd held no racial preconceptions as the humans and cats had. But full acceptance would be a long time coming. I guess this is spring on Shakazan, Mabu said bitterly, wiping drops of water from his snout. Disgusting, I detest being wet. This weather is fine if one doesn't have to be out in it, Tlorvec replied, spitting water with each word. I would delight in a hover canopy right now. Agreed, Mabu said absently, stop, stopping suddenly, ears and whiskers erect, listening. Something besides thunder was rumbling, coming from beneath their feet. Do you feel that? Talorvek was listening too, waiting. Yes, we must tell someone. A guard post was nearby. The sentry stood in the doorway, wearing his kindred suit, trying to smoke in the rain. Talorvek approached quickly, keeping her hands in view. Mabatsu behind her, moving carefully. Do you feel that? She asked the sentry, a young man of the Tomokuan, as yet another vibration quivered beneath him. His eyes widened 
with the realization that something was terribly wrong. Dropping his cigarette, he ducked into the guard shack and hit the alarm. What's wrong? Will's voice rasped from the speaker. His image blinked into view on the tridy. Talorvec pushed in by the confused sentry and explained. Will hit his comm link. All hands, battle stations, he yelled. Will's voice rang out on ships and throughout the compound. A brief description of the problem and his face disappeared. He was heading to the command tower, CT, which was in the center of the compound. The two Leonate ran to meet him there, the rain forgotten for the moment. A short conversation with Will, and they took up a station manning one of the guns. The player who usually had the duty spot had a newborn. Parents and children were in safekeeping of the kindred. In a few short minutes, the ships and compound were fully manned. Now came the wait. It was short. By that time, by that, good or bad, Talorvec didn't speculate. The ground shook harder, pushed aside by giant drills more than 10 feet wide and 6 feet high. Massive metallic shapes burst through the ground into the compound, opening fire with laser weapons the size of pulse cannons. The turrets spun rapidly, spraying death in every direction. Talorvik was grateful for the protection of the armored mount, gun mount, but knew it couldn't withstand the abuse that we that weapon could produce for very long. With a mighty battle roar, Mabu opened fire on the bot nearest him, blowing big chunks out of the ground around it, damaging the robot gun mount very little. Sensing an enemy, the bot turned to face Mabu, who cursed under his breath, resetting the weapon to explosive charges. All around the camp, the guns fired on the intruders to very little effect. Talorvec worked rapidly on a solution, since it was obvious that the explosives did more damage to the compound than to the machine invaders, only moments into the battle, and already they were losing. There had to be something different they could do. Tapping her comm link, she broke in on the command channel. Colonel, we need a massive electromagnetic pulse. Can you do it? If we do that, Talorvec, we disarm ourselves, Mabu broke in. No, we're shielded. She's right. Pulse on my mark, now, Will roared into the comm link as the tactical officer in the CT hit the switch to activate the electromagnets a foot underground. A gut-wrenching pulse seemed to explode beneath their feet. Wow. Wow, what a scene. Thank that you. Was <laughs> that was good, yeah. That was so filled with action. I'll be digging into that book. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I had fun with this one. The uh, the maker the maker was a little harder for me for some reason. I don't know why. My daughter told me when she read it, she said, "Mom, you just don't love this one like you do the other ones." I went, "What? <laughs> I do too. I love this book." And then I got to reading it, and I realized she was right. But the collie, after I did the maker, the collie was just fun just pure fun yeah what do you do when you have um a book like that that you don't really love but you you like a lot yeah <laughs> i had to i had to go back and see what made it less you know why i didn't like it as much and um that took some doing but after going through it and reading Catherine's notes and 
reading with a very critical eye. I just went into edit mode and I read with a very critical eye and I cut a bunch of stuff out that dragged and made a lot of transitional scenes, added stuff, took other stuff out, and then I got where I liked it a lot more. I won't say that I love it dearly, but I do like it a lot more than I did. That's good. That's good. Um, Have you ever had to just scrap a book? I... Or do you attempt not to? Let's put it this way. I have some that, like I said before, will never see the light of day. Um, I have some that I haven't completely given up hope on, but I just might hear when I go through to clean stuff out because I've looked at them and I've read through them and I've thought either I can really work hard on this or I can simply just not do anything with it and just get rid of it but I'm not going to leave it around to mock me I'm just going to I think I'll move it onto a flash drive I never look at and then delete it off the maiden flash drive because I don't think I can bring myself to completely delete something I did do that with a couple but they were they were so bad and they were just not going any direction that I wanted so I got rid of them but uh, the rest of them I think I'm just going to slide to the side and say okay Maybe in another t- couple years, 10 years, whatever, down the line, I'll deal with them. Yeah. But so far, I haven't completely discarded anything that I was really invested in. The ones that I got rid of were maybe 10, 15 pages at the very most. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Now, who is your favorite character that you've ever written? And oh. do you have a least favorite, but oh, they were man. necessary for the story? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say that my favorite character is a toss-up between two. One is obviously Will, Will Van Lipsig. He's just such a fun character to write. Depending on your perspective and what line of the battle you're on will depend on whether he's a villain or a hero because um, he's he's the most anti-hero of the anti-heroes, at least at the beginning. By the by, the colleague, he's mellowed a little bit. Um, the other character that I really love is Mary's Houston in the Room 103 books, because she's just, there's just something about her. She really appeals to me. She's strong, and she's outspoken, and she can outshoot everybody in the office and wins the turkey shoot every year that they hold. You know, she's just a, a really fun character. And yeah. um, she seems very masculine in some respects, but she's also got this very, very strong feminine side. And she's just a, a really wonderful person. And I like her a lot. So she's my other favorite, least favorite Oh, man. Um, I don't know if I really have a least favorite. I have some really favorite villains, but I don't think I have a least favorite character because I try and build them all where they're they're interesting. Even if they're just a small part, I try and make them interesting. 
Um, yeah. You know, I can tell you my favorite villain, and that's Elizabeth Tynan. I absolutely love her. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth Tynan. Oh, the um, secretary from uh, Conduct Unbecoming. She, yes, she's in Conduct Unbecoming. She's also in Bad Fall because they're connected. Mm-hmm. And um, she's in another one that I haven't published yet. I'm going to try and get it out uh, sometime this year. Um, what else? Oh, it's called Honeymoon. And um, where Conduct Unbecoming uh, introduces the character of Nadea and you get to meet uh, Jasper and get to know him better. Um, yeah. Honeymoon is their honeymoon. And it's alarming things that happen on their honeymoon. So I'm going to... Um, I'm going to try and get that one out this year. Uh, I need to get the Ninja Tattoo back out, too. I keep forgetting about it. Oh, yeah, we can't do without Teague. I'm sorry. Teague is no. one of my favorite characters yours. I do love Will. Thank you. I yeah. do love Will. Teague is the second favorite, and my favorite female happens to be Maurice. Yes. Yeah. She I have fun. a few, few favorites of my own um, that they're villains or villain-like. Um, I like Killer T. Ford. Mm-hmm. I like Dave Meacham. Yeah. Um, he was meant to be a, a minor character turned into a major character and redeemed himself. <laughs> I mean, how the heck did that happen? You know, you know like, <laughs> characters know what they're doing. They do. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay, who is one of your favorite? You, you said Liz Tynan is your favorite villain, right? Who, as a small character or a secondary character, would you like to bring out into the forefront? Oh wow, that's a good one. Um, hmm. Well, what I have done with a lot of my books, the ones that aren't published yet, um, I have taken characters, like secondary characters from other books. And since I write mostly romance, I look at them and I think, oh, gosh, these two, you know, this this person needs someone and that person needs someone. So I have taken those characters and then brought them to the fore and made them main characters in their own books. And I've done that a lot. I have one character, I didn't think he was ever going to be that much. I brought him in, I I was writing Best Medicine, and I needed, I brought him in to be the the younger brother of the main character, Morgan. And uh, he was fun and flirty, he's a rock star, and has no, no conversation filters whatsoever. He's really outrageous, and he's a lot of fun. Well, he wasn't; he didn't have a big part in that book. But then I was writing another book in that same location, and Cullen was in it again. And then I wrote another one, and Cullen was in it again. And I think uh, at the last count, and I don't think it includes everything, he was in 11 books in a small way. So... Wow. <laughs> I uh, decided he needed 
his own woman. And I had one character that I was trying to set him up with, but she turned into rather a nasty person. And I didn't know she was going to go that direction. I thought Bree was just a nice person, but no, ma'am, she is not. So um, I had started this book with the idea that Cullen would be getting the love of his life. And I thought it was going to be Bree, and it was not Bree. It was somebody completely different. So he finally has... um, he finally has come to his own relationship, but he still keeps popping up in other stories. And he's even in some that aren't in that city. They're, they're set somewhere else. But he's a rock star. He travels. So, of course, yeah. he's going to be in other places. So it was yeah. fun. Do you have fun creating new worlds? Like you've created um, The Lone Wolf. Saga, uh-huh. and you've created Mary Houston's world. You've mm-hmm. created Love in the City. Yes. Series uh, of which we've only seen one book out of that. Hint, hint, nudge, right. <laughs> and what? How do you go about creating these different worlds? I. I'm not sure. I don't have any special fancy, you know, no process of doing this. Um, Mostly with Best Medicine, that was the first in the Love in the City romances. I have never named this city. I've never felt that it needed a name. I've never been specific as to where it is, except it's very far up north, almost to Canada. Um, I think of it as being in, like, upper Michigan. I know there are no big cities there, but who cares? That doesn't matter. Um, so it's it's really close to, to Canada. Um, and I just sort of started, you know, there there's a variety of hospitals. There are doctors. There are lawyers. There are actors. And so each of them has their own environment. And then I start pulling this character from that story and that character from this story and, and swirling them around and making a whole new story with them, you know, and somebody else is in the major part instead. So I was just imagining, like, some place that's sort of like New York and Chicago blended together. That's how I, I created that. So there's some parts that are very modern, some parts that are very old, and just did it all some of the architecture is gothic, some of it's, uh, you know, whatever, going back to like Henry Flagler and stuff like that. It's just got this whole mixture of that and Art Deco and everything, like any big older city. And wow. uh, then with the, the sci-fi books, I just kind of let my mind wander. I, I have... Um, they have the, their big ships, of course, and uh, there's uh, what they call committee home base, which is where their seat of government is. And they, they couldn't decide where they were going to put their capital. Every planet wanted it. Every planet said they deserved it. So instead, they pulled in this big asteroid, and they terraformed it and built their capital city 
on the asteroid. So it's just called Committee Home Base. And it's very, very, um, well, it's very high tech and, and it has a, a prettiness to it. And then you get closer and you think the buildings just really look like very fancily dressed up bunkers. That's it. They're not pretty. They're just bunkers. Um, then there's the planet Elani, which is where Will and Matilda get together. And by some quirk, it's all sandy beaches and like Mediterranean, Caribbean style. Um, the oceans are beautiful. And it's just this whole recreation planet. But it's also where the mining guild has its main facility, which is beautiful and organic and looks like um, a, a big, tall coral tower or something. It's gorgeous. So it's just I just let myself play with all these different ideas and just kind of I was listening to music and these images just came to me and it went from there and I just played with however I wanted to play and with Shaka's on it's very desolate when they arrive but then it's terraformed and it becomes a mixture of all the memories of all the races who were there. Oh. We've got stuff from Earth and the planet of the Felukians who were the, the giant cats and just everybody the, the the maker drew on all their memories. And, well, you want mountains? Here's mountains. You want a lake? There's a lake. And just kind of threw it all together to this big, huge, very strangely knit together uh, sort of landscape. It's really cool. Wow. Wow. Um, Jade in the chat room has a question. Uh, how do you keep the romance alive when working with different characters? How do you keep it fresh? Well, because every character, every couple, well, they're unique in, to begin with. They're unique to every story. But every couple has their own dynamic. And since they have their own dynamic, then it's easy to um, work their personalities into it. And so their, the story of their love is going to be different from this story to another couple and another story. Um, you know, with, with uh, well, no, I can't even do that. I don't want to give spoilers on any of these books. But, um, you know, they're, they're, I usually get two people that are from, very different walks of life, or at least I try to. Sometimes they're both doctors. Like in Best Medicine, they're both doctors. Um, but in So Much It Hurts, which is the, the only uh, Love in the City book that has been um, published, they, they are both in the fine arts. And so that is something that draws them together, is this common shared uh, love of the arts then there's a twist and it turns out a little differently but anyway the first yeah. couple <laughs> the initial couple that's what draws them together is this love of the arts she's in music and he's a painter and uh, i'm not gonna tell anymore because i don't want to give spoilers but no don't worry i try and pull them in from from different uh from different places and that's how i think that helps to keep things um, alive and fresh. 
Have you ever read any books? As, like, I know that you don't really follow a lot of books. Wait, I can't, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Oh, do you ever write, read any books about writing characters, writing plots? Um, I know you don't believe in, you must do this and you must do that because you're an yeah. anti-must-do-this, anti-must-do-that. But have you read any books? taken some of the advice, applied it, or just thrown it um, I haven't really, because, you know, I was an English major, and I had to read a bunch of style guides and crap when I was in school, and I never, I felt like that was very constricting. I feel, you know, I, I, I'm all for getting your sentences properly formatted and uh, good grammar unless it's dialogue and so forth and so on. I like the technical aspects to be good. But I also want that fluidity and openness of creativity. So I I tried reading a style book, but it was all, you must outline every minute. You must have a beginning, middle, and an ending. You must know all your characters. You must do this. You must do this. You must do this. And I looked at that, and I went, I don't do any of that. Um, I tried. <laughs> what? Yeah. You're yeah, it didn't work for me. Yeah, they yeah. Um, I'm currently listening to a audio book um, by James Scott Bell. Now, Gage uh-huh. told me on this book, How to Write Best-Selling Fiction. Now, this oh. week's interest. Yes, it's very interesting. He gives a lot of references from literature, um, like To Kill a Mockingbird, The Hunger Games, Casablanca. He references movies. Um, He's done a lot of referencing for um, Gone with the Wind and things like that. So you can relate to what he's talking about. And I I, want to take... um, I want to take what I've learned from that and apply it to the book I'm writing, working on now, which is oh, cool. Vanity for Murder. Uh huh. Now, I don't, you know me, I'm a pantser. Yeah. <laughs> so, getting all these things to work in my novel is um, is going to be interesting. <laughs> I also uh, you can do it. How to write um, dazzling dialogue mm-hmm. by James Bell too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't so, I haven't read either of those books, but that does sound interesting. They are, and I'm having a good time listening to the audiobook because it's got a mm-hmm. workbook that goes with it, and it's just like so helpful. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I, I've i always been one to, when, especially when I first started writing, I bought a lot of reference books. Uh-huh. And I don't know if I've applied any of that to it, but I just wanted the reference <laughs> books, I think. <laughs> and I've been giving away a few of the reference books, too, when I was decluttering, so... Uh-huh. Um, one more question. Do you have anything, any 
writing habits, unique writing habits, things that you must do while writing a book? Um, the only thing I must do is have music playing. Now, yes. I'm not one of these people who sets up specific um, writing, you know, lists of songs for each particular book. I, ha- I don't really do that. Um, I came close with So Much It Hurts and um, Sidetracked because with So Much It Hurts, I had to have these five specific songs. I had to listen to them before I could start writing or my mind shut down. Oh, for whatever reason, I had to listen to, um, I can't remember what they all were now, uh, Bang Bang. Harlem Nocturne. Yeah, the, yes, Har, um, Harlem Nocturne, um, uh, Bang Bang, the Kaleo version, and um, Can't Go On Without You, also by Kaleo. And I don't remember the other two right now, but it had to be those five songs. Not in any particular order, but I had to listen to those five songs, and I had to start and end with Harlem Nocturne, because that is um, the feel throughout the book, and that that song um, appears in various ways throughout the book. Um, With Sidetracked, I had to get into the mind space of one of the main characters, and she's in her late 30s, early 40s, and so I had to listen to music from like the 90s in order to get into her headspace. <laughs> oh, but that was fun. Music. <laughs> <laughs> music, heavy metal, things like that. Yeah, I was listening to a lot of Nirvana while she while I was oh. writing that book. But that was fine. I like Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about how do you feel about writing short stories? Can you write a um, short story? Oh yeah, I love short stories. I don't write them very often, but my my book, um, which is also in the Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf universe, it's called Lone Wolf Tales, and it's a Lone Wolf series companion, and it has nine short stories and novellas in it, um, which it, it's another one of those things like this character needs more of this story told. And so I did that. Like there's this very pivotal moment in Will's life where he ends up killing his best friend's wife because she's a traitor. And it's one of those memories that he has never been able to rid himself of and he has tortured himself with it for like the last 60 years because he betrayed his friend by killing her. But if he didn't kill her, she would have killed all of the team. So he had this terrible choice to make. And that's, uh, it's called, yeah, the name of it is Call Me Lil, because her name was Lillian Lil. And uh, so it's in there. And... Um, then the the fact that uh, Will and Matilda actually knew one another when they were younger, when she was a girl, in fact. And so there's a story um, called Gone But Not Forgotten that's also in there that's more backstory on her. And 
focuses focuses more on her but also includes him but because of circumstances neither of them really remembered until they met up again later as adults over well, she's wow. an adult yeah and that is a fun story god that's a that one is just that was very heart-wrenching for me to write because i didn't realize that this was her past i thought she had more of a you know happy childhood and um pleasant youth but then there's this just heart-wrenching event when she's like 16 17 years old that i didn't even know about when i started writing the stories it just sort of came out on the page but it's gorgeous i love that's one of my favorite of the short stories is that and uh, then there's a character who's introduced in the kali and her name is itza and she is the first champion of Bankewan. Um, then there's a character that comes in in the maker, Sahit Mai, who is the current champion, but Itza is the first, and her origin story is in uh, Lone Wolf Tales. It's called And Itza Danced. It's really, it's a really good one too. So I hope that people will read that, even if they don't read the whole series, that they'll read that. And, and just get a feel for it and may, maybe decide that they want to read the series too. Because I have to say they're, they're fun. Um, they're not really, um, they're not pure sci-fi. They're more like a futuristic fantasy sort of thing. I call them sci-fi because it's just easier than trying to describe that. I think so if you're expecting hardcore sci-fi, what? I think futuristic fantasy works. Um, okay, good. I don't, like and futuristic fantasy space romance type mm-hmm. thing. There's a lot of romance in your Lonely Wolf series between. Oh yeah. Uh, um. Will and Matilda and Mark get somebody and there's there's lots of romance and yes I yeah so. Futuristic fantasy space romance is a genre. (laughs) I see see a lot of people that I promote writing futurist, like writing space romances Uh and space adventure. They're not necessarily science fiction in the pure Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein used to write. But it involves space and it's can be and there's futuristic fantasy and it's it's becoming a genre. Mm-hmm. So I we made a group for it. <laughs> yeah. It, yes, we made a group for it to promote our books. <laughs> yeah, we we had to because there weren't any others on there. <laughs> yeah, just, it wasn't straight sci-fi. Mhm. In in the sense now, Chris. Dina wants to know, what's the biggest mistake you have ever made as an author? Oh, that's a really good question. I wish I had an equally awesome answer. Um, I think my biggest mistake was thinking that I had a really good publisher. And, I mean, he seemed like a really great guy. And then he screwed us all over 
just completely, totally. And I didn't investigate and question like I should have when things started going wrong. Um, yeah, that would be it. The, the publisher I have now is amazing, but I thought he was, but he wasn't. And there were signs, and I should have read them, and I didn't. So, you know, that's on me. But um, well, you want to believe that the publishers are out there that are out there, and Christine is going to laugh, um, are all good guys and out out to take care of the the <laughs> Right? Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah, we've learned through, through talking to Christina that is not the case in most cases. They're out that's for right. themselves. And that's why Absolutely. 90% of the people now go to independent publishing. They either mm-hmm. go to small houses, or they do it themselves. Right. I'm a, I'm a do-it-yourself kind of girl. I trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much I trust Amazon, but I trust me. Um, uh-huh. Christine also wants to know, what's your favorite way to procrastinate when you're supposed to be writing? <laughs> oh, Netflix. Netflix and Hulu, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I I am really good at oh I'll, I'll 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 do this for a little while and and there are times when I will use it as research, so to speak um, but sometimes I mean it is legitimately research, but I'm still watching criminal in the minds when I should be writing my serial killer story, you know <laughs> so that that would be it uh yeah, uh streaming on Netflix and Hulu. That's me. Yeah, and you call it research just to make yourself feel better. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I do. You're right, and it is. Yes, yes, it is. Well, of course. <laughs> I have been watching Discovery Plus, and I watch this show called uh, Homicide Hunter. It's about Ooh. this homicide detective in Colorado Springs in the '70s, and I think the '80s too. Um, Joe Kenda, and yeah, I've been I've been watching him for like procedural type things. So I, I call mm-hmm. it, and it's really just me, you know, lying on the bed watching TV. <laughs> no, I like to call it research, but I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> Jade wants to know that there are so many scammers out there, and we're going to have a good. Talk, we had a good talk about this yesterday on your show. Do yeah. you have any advice on avoiding scammers in marketing? Now, this is really a question for Christina. But I Delaney, would say so. Too. Okay, well, I can hop in and put in my two cents, and then she can expand on it. Um, the main thing is do your research, and like Christina emphasized, be aware of the uh, the industry, but my main advice would be to research carefully. And I didn't research my first publisher carefully, um, so you know. And like I said, at first blush, he seemed like a really great guy, but you have to be you have to research. You have to be aware, and a little healthy paranoia is not a bad thing. Yeah, to true. be wary. 
I should have been wary of the publishers that I got involved with was actually a vanity press. And they are, um, and that's one mistake I made because it cost Mm -hmm. me a lot of money. Uh, It did cost me a lot of money. I went into debt for it. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what turned me around and decided I'm doing this myself. No more more vanity press. So they will gladly take your money for the privilege of publishing you, but they won't give you any marketing tools. They won't do any marketing for you. Okay, Mm -hmm. maybe they'll print you off a bunch of postcards and and, um, bookmarks. But that's the extent of it. So, yeah, avoid a vanity press. You're better off doing it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Christina, would you like to weigh on in, weigh in <laughs> on this topic? Well, I've been talking about scammers for quite a while. Um, I've been talking about marketing for quite a while. Um, the game is starting to change again. You know, like we were talking about AI yesterday on the other show. Um, Mm -hmm. That's going to start rearing its head into publishing. Maybe not like, you know, in the next two years or whatever, but eventually it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said before, I'm researching um, AI. And also, um, like Delaney said in in her her, um, response, it's research, research, research. Always research the people you want to do business with, no matter who it is. Find somebody who has done business with them and ask them questions. Ask them, you know, like, um, what did they do exactly? How much did you, you know, sell with them? Mm -hmm. And, you know, because, you know, what I consider, you know, a good experience versus what you consider a good experience may not be the same. So I was talking to an author on, on Facebook. We all know her. Um, I'm not going to say her name because, you know, I don't want to start no trouble. But um, right. we were talking about marketing, and we were talking about marketing on social media. And I was saying, you know, Twitter, we were talking about Twitter because, you know, Elon Musk was talking about wanting to buy Twitter this past summer. Yeah. And he was talking about it at the time. And they were going to court and threatening to sue each other and all this other crap. And people were talking about wanting to leave Twitter. And I was like, well, you know, Twitter never really did anything for me. And most of the other authors were saying the same thing. Uh But this one author was saying, well, I do great on Twitter. And I thought, oh, she's selling books through Twitter. (laughs) And so I went Uh to her her, um, Amazon sales page, and I looked at her most current work. And her work wasn't selting. And I was like, what? She just said that she was doing well on Twitter. And so I went uh-huh. to her Twitter account, and it's just, you know, her, you know, playing around on Twitter, you know, like like a regular person, huh. using it as a, per, like a, uh, like it's a personal account. And uh-huh. you're not, so, that's not what I consider good, you know? I don't consider, well, you know. marketing. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know. I'm saying, you know, she's having a good time. Nothing wrong with that, okay? There's nothing wrong with that, Mm -hmm. you know, having an active social media account. But you're there to sell. Yeah. And that's where a lot of authors get it mixed up. So, Mm -hmm. like I was saying before, what I consider good versus what you consider good may not be the same thing. So, um, 
you need to really set down your expectations before you even sign with anybody and see if mm-hmm. that person can possibly meet those expectations because most marketers probably won't unless you tell them this is what I expect. Yeah. And so this is where everybody's screwing up. And, and I've seen this before with another marketer who's well-known well in the um, industry. I'm not going to say her name either, but um, she's well-known and she costs a lot of money per month. I'm talking about mm-hmm. thousands. So mm-hmm. this one person hired her. She has a company, you know, and it's not just her. She has like assistants and all this other stuff. And right. she takes care she takes care of the marketing. You know, she'll um do your social media, she'll um um do your keywords for Amazon and, you know, do some ads. And it sounds great, you know, it sounds like something that a lot of people need. And a lot of people use her and love her services. But there was this one guy who did not sell very well using her services and was calling her a scammer. And I thought that was so wrong because, you know, he was listing, like, all his complaints. Like, he didn't like the assistant that he was given. She didn't seem to know what he wanted. And there was, like, all this miscommunication. And she did not step in and take over the account. And I was like, well, like, why would she do that? She's running the company. She's, you know, she's got these assistants who do the work you should have asked. Uh And he didn't do that. He just thought that she personally was going to run, you know, run the whole campaign for him. And that didn't oh. happen. And he, got, and he got very frustrated, and he was calling it a scam. And it's not a scam. It was just she didn't meet his expectations. Yeah. So be careful about what you call a scam versus what, you know, mm-hmm. what's realistic. Some people are saying they can do this, that, and the other, and it's like you have to really research them and see if they can actually do this, that, and the other. So right. that that's my advice right there. Like really know what you want, number one. Mm-hmm. Get your yeah. expectations in order <laughs> because not everybody is going to be able to meet those expectations. And be careful who you hire and what you expect from them. That's basically everything I've been saying for years. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. I, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I recently got an email from this company called Books Gravy, booksgravy.com. And they will they have different packages uh, starting at gold, uh, going up to – platinum and all that and they will for gold they will promote your one book for $15 for 10 days that's mm. all you get wow now if you want to get another book in there I, I don't like I considered it for maybe five minutes and I thought no not for 10 days if they want 15 bucks a month I can do that myself yeah yeah. yeah, and there's so there's so many marketing things out there that you know they send out these massive newsletters and everything. And uh, I was looking, you know, I mostly write romance, so I was looking at them, and they have a different price range for each type of book. So if you're looking at say military action or self help or romance or sci-fi or whatever, it's the same amount of coverage, the same package, but they will charge 
romance authors way more than anybody else. So say that somebody who's written sci-fi, it's 50 to $75. For a romance author, it's 100 to 150 So wow. I've never done that. And I'm told, oh, they're great, they're wonderful, they really help. I'm like, $150 for a month? And that's just the start, you know, that's just the starting price. That's not if you want it run X number of days. That's like for one issue of one email. Wow. No, I'm not doing that. Um, I don't have that much money. Jade wants to know, for newbies to marketing, how might you research a promo service? I have no idea. That's one for Christina because I don't know. Google is your friend, number one. Embrace Google. <laughs> um, number two, um, there are so many um, so many ways to research a company. And the best way that I've done this is through Facebook groups, you know, writer groups. Uh-huh. Who, you know, the professional writing groups, not just like the groups that like go and promo themselves to death. I'm talking about mm-hmm. where groups where they have discussions and they talk, they share information, and they mm-hmm. and the, you know it's a real community, um, and that's hard to find on social media, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> um, it, there's just you know so many people spamming and and doing whatever, you know, it's just ridiculous. So I can't um, I can't imagine it just you know like I said I'm really turning on social media because I just don't like it. There's just so many people ruining it. And now, you know, with Facebook kind of going away from social media and doing their whole metaverse crap, it's like, okay, so you're not even putting money into this network no more. So it's like, what's going on? Um, That's not a really good sign for the future of Facebook anyways, but um, Mm -hmm. that's neither here here nor there. Um, There are other groups. um, Gosh, there was... um, Kindle and something. I forgot there was like this this Kindle group, and they had to change their name because um, Amazon got on their case. Um, oh no! And there was the writers' um, water cooler from years and years ago, but they have yeah, a I really good. Um, I <laughs> yeah, they really um, they really um, share information and they put people on blast in those groups sometimes too. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, again, there are a lot of scammers out there. So, like I said, learn how to use Google. Learn how to, <laughs> learn how to get into groups, good groups. And this takes time, mm-hmm. by the way. Yes, it, it takes does. time to build. It takes time to build relationships and to build trust. So really be careful, you know, like when you go out there. Kindle is, I mean, Kindle. Google is your friend, but be careful. There are people out there trying to manipulate Google, too. So... Yeah, I wish there was like a a quick, clear answer for that. But um, the online community will help you. Another mm-hmm. interesting place to look is um, Goodreads. Goodreads also has um, some writer groups where they kind of talk about you know these these people and those people. I should really mm-hmm. write an article about this. Because yeah, you really should. <laughs> you can't write on that. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not even Facebook. Um, Facebook, Reddit, 
um, like I was saying, the um, writer's water cooler, or, um, the gosh, that, that Kindle group I was talking about that I can't even remember the name of because they changed it. K-Boards. Mm-hmm. That's what it was called. It was called K-Boards. K-Boards.com. So, um, oh. <laughs> anyways, um, we I used to be like in all those groups. I remember back in the day, but then, you know, things started changing. And I was like, I'm not doing all this. <laughs> you know, I'm not keeping <laughs> up with all these groups. I can't do it. There, it's just too much. So um, I just started cutting the groups that I was in and, and just um, started focusing on Facebook because that's where everybody was at the time. Uh-huh. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> well, I hope so, too. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, what piece of advice besides... Um, well, what piece of advice would you give an up-and-coming author new to the business? Know your grammar. <laughs> please, please know your grammar and you know, say things right. I, now, in dialogue, as far as dialogue, anything goes in dialogue. I have written some bizarre stuff in dialogue, and but that's different because you're, you're taking colloquial expressions to characterize that person who is speaking so that's yeah. fine don't make it pretty but get your your quotation marks and your commas and your exclamation marks right and for god's sake unless you really know what you're doing don't use a semicolon and <laughs> just have speak well speak well and if you don't know how to speak well learn how to speak well you know there are all kinds of um Books, I'm not saying that you should buy some writer's guide or books on style, but just learn your grammar so that I used to, my father was a college professor in English, and I used to fuss at him because I was constantly being corrected by both my parents to the point where I could sometimes not even get a sentence out. And I would say, but you know what I mean. And he would look at me and he'd say, yes, I know what you mean, but someone else won't. True. So you want to say it as well as you can say it so you don't sound ignorant and you don't pull somebody out of your message. I mean, that's impressing a whole lot of different conversations. But that's what he would say is, you know, but somebody else won't. And uh, so I'm not saying that you have to have a highfalutin vocabulary or fancy turns of phrase or anything like that, but learn how to tell your story well. That way your message is clear and you're not going to have a bunch of readers with this book suddenly going, huh? I don't understand. Yeah. Learn that. Yeah. Learn how to do that. that. I was going to yes. say, you see a lot yes. of that on social media where a lot of people are, you know, they're saying something. They think they're saying something, and people are interpreting it in a completely different way, and they get offended, right. and people are getting dragged, and they're like, what just happened here? Mm-hmm. And they're they're blaming cancel culture. They're blaming this and that. It's like, look at I what you said. They're ignorant and can't say things properly. Um, I used to, I'm always very specific Still with my kids, um, even though they're all adults, I'm still very specific with them when I tell them things. And I did this when I was teaching, and I 
do with my husband and other people. When I want to be very clear, I am extremely specific in how I request something or um, not criticize exactly, but correct. And I, I would always, with my children, I would give them very clear limitations. And they're like, why are you like that? Why are you just always so specific? I said, because then there's no wiggle room. You cannot find a loophole, and I am not misinterpreted. That's why I'm so specific, and I'm still like that, (laughs) and they're all grown. (laughs) Sometimes you have to be. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. How, Christina, um, do you have any advice? Well, gosh, for a newbie author, Gosh, there's so much advice I to give to a newbie author right now. Um, but like Delaney said before, learn the business. You you really need to know what's going on because there are so many mm-hmm. ways you can get screwed. There are so many ways you can get screwed. And the basic way people get screwed in this business is they don't know what's normal. And they don't know, like mm-hmm. I was saying before, they don't know what a normal contract looks like. They don't know what assistants are supposed to do. They don't know what marketing researches I mean marketing services are supposed to do so they're getting screwed you know left right and center and you Mm -hmm. know they're like well this business is just you know it's dirty it's a it's a dirty game and I'm like well yeah it is if you get hooked up with the wrong people all you had to do was sit sit down and learn it and it may take you a long time to learn it because it's like this business is oh my god it is dirty it is crazy it's dysfunctional. It's everything. But there are good people. And yes. at the end of the day, there are more good people than there are bad people. Yes. So you have mm-hmm. to find the good people. And you, ha- you can only do that if you sit down and you research. And I know we sound like a broken record doing this. So <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to preach too long. I'm not going to preach too long, but um, sit down and learn the business. Because if you don't, you're going to pay for it later. Oh yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Um, Jade wanted to know before she left, uh, how do you know your concept will carry you through a full-length no- novel? And Delaney came up with the smart-ass answer. I think. <laughs> yes, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my quick answer. But my longer answer is. I don't always know. I don't always know. I, I I might have character names decided when I sit down to write. I might have the first sentence or paragraph in my head when I sit down to write. I might know absolutely nothing. I just want to write, and I put the first thing down that comes in my head. Sometimes that can translate into a novel. Sometimes it's a short story. Sometimes it's a novella. I, I really don't know. Now, I, I, that's what subplots are for. You know, you start bringing in subplots and secondary and tertiary characters, and that's how you build it and flesh it out. But then you have to be careful that you haven't given yourself too many loose ends or they're going to be snapping around like live wires. You get to the end and you're like, oh, crap, I didn't deal with that. And and I'm bad about that every once in a while, especially with the sci-fi books, because there's so many characters 
and they're usually two major plots and then like subplots and there can be anywhere from three to a dozen of those i try to keep those limited to five or less though because otherwise it's just way too cumbersome but um that's what you have to do is you just have to have to expand it and add other things and bring in more characters and that will help you carry it to the end otherwise be happy with a short story. Be content with a novella. A novella is what I think like the average novella is like 30,000 words, give or take. Um, short stories are anything less than that. Um, novels are 50,000 and above. So maybe you're yeah. not going to get 50,000 words from this idea, but you, I, I just tell the story. And if a story is completed in the arc of a of 50,000 words or more, then it's a novel. If it's told in the arc of 30,000 words to 50,000 words, well, 4,499 or whatever, 4,999, there's what I'm trying to say, um, then that's okay too. You just want it to, right. you just tell the story. You just tell the story. And sometimes it won't be enough. Other times it will. Yeah, I agree with you there. My uh, my nano last year, um, I wanted to expand on what I thought was going to be a short story. It ends up uh-huh. still going to be a short story or a novella at best. Um, uh-huh. And I had to I had to concede to myself. Okay, that's it. I'm not going to get the fifty thousand word novel out of this time. Right. Too bad, you know. But it's going to be a story. Mm-hmm. But that, but that was good advice. Yeah. Um, wow, we're coming to the end of it, and another great show. Thank you for both. For well, thank you, Christina. You're always there by my side, helping me out. Um, <laughs> thank you, Delaney, for hopping on. Sure. And thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was great to hear about the Kali and. I'm going to have to dig into that. I think I'm going to have to reread the maker first. But, um, yeah, that would I'll, help. That would help. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I re- read it a while ago, but I think I'm going to have to revisit that one. Um, but it was great having you on, and anytime you want to hop on to the show, let me know. Um, okay. Yeah, and thank you, listeners. Uh I'm not sure who's up next next month. I'm hoping for Susan Lynn Solomon, but we'll oh, let you know. In the meantime, okay. keep reading, keep reading, and have a great day. Bye bye. <laughs>